Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord this afternoon to worship with you. If you would, please turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. And we'll begin reading in verse 24 and read through the end of chapter 7. 2 Kings, chapter 6, begin reading in verse 24. And it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all the host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help me, Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes. And he passed by up on the wall, and the people looked. And behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See you how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Look when the messenger cometh. Shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. If not, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, Behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should, I, why, what should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall upon the, unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold... There was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, 
Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in to one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well this day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace if we tarry till the morning light. Some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there. Neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remained, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us sin and see. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine barley, or a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed to the Lord, on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate, And the people trod under him the gate, and he died, or upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And the Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Let's look to our Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come to your throne of grace, we come with burdened hearts for those who are aching, those who are hurting, those who have lost loved ones. We pray for them. We pray for their comfort. We pray for those who are facing surgeries, for those who have cancer. And we pray for those who are in need. You know the need, and you can supply the needs. And indeed, we pray for your comfort and grace upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The condition of the northern kingdom of Israel in their capital city of Samaria is quite bleak. 
disastrous, life-threatening conditions envelop the walled city. The city is under siege by the king of Syria, King Benadad. It's under lockdown. Nothing's coming in and nothing's going out. To make things worse, there's been a great famine in and around Samaria. The severe famine and siege has caused them to eat that which was not meant to be eaten. For instance, a donkey's head at the extravagant cost of 80 pieces of silver for about, in today's money, might be about $176. One-fourth part of a cab of dung, dove's dung for five pieces of silver or about $11. Such a rate of inflation that many could not afford. Verse 27, the king declares to the desperate mother who has done the unthinkable, the cold, hard facts. If the Lord does not help, I certainly can't. The barn floors and the wine presses are empty. Reserves are drained, and the people are literally starving to death. Then the mother shares the story of the unthinkable. Shocking events of the past few days that even breaks the heart of a hardened king. An ungodly woman devises a plan with this ungodly mother who poured out her heart to the king that if we kill and boil your son today and eat him, then tomorrow we take my son and do the same. But after they cannibalized the, the one son, the mother who devised the hideous scheme went and hid her son and failed to live up to her end of the bargain. King Jehoram, after hearing of this hideous act of desperation, tore his clothes and put on sackcloth upon his flesh as a token of mourning and walked upon the wall. Let's take a step back at this point in our story to determine the underlying reasons for their horrible condition. First of all, we have leading Israel, an idolatrous king. Jehoram is an idolatrous king. Turn with me in your Bibles to the first, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 3. We'll read the first three verses. 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now Jehoram the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. He wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. The family background of Jehoram was not a good family heritage. He was the son of the wickedest king in Israel, in Israel's days. He's the son of King Ahab and the son of Queen Jezebel. We see in this passage that Jehoram wasn't as evil, though, as mom and dad. Indeed, he did put away Baal worship, but he cleaved unto the idolatrous ways of golden calf worship. Therefore, due to this king's idolatrous practices, Elisha, the prophet of the Lord, had great disdain for King Jehoram. Turn with me now to, we're in 2 Kings, read verses 10 through 14 with me. 
2 Kings chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called thee these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servant answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shephat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the, Lord, the word of the Lord is with us, or with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elijah said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee, nor see thee. Elisha's pretty straightforward and doesn't beat around the bushes in this passage, which clearly shows his distaste for King Jehoram. But out of the respect of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Elisha gave them God's revealed plan of how to defeat the Moabites. Secondly, idolatrous kings of the northern tribes of Israel have led the nation to be an idolatrous nation, which is another reason for their horrible condition. Let's notice the beginnings of an idolatrous nation. It began with the northern ten tribes of Israel. First, King Jeroboam, who had two golden calves made, which he claimed was the gods that brought them out of the land of Egypt. Pure blasphemy. Only the true and living God, Jehovah, made that exodus for them. Jeroboam set these calves in the places of worship, one in Bethel and the other in Dan. Then on top of that atrocity, Jeroboam made priests out of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. All the kings of the northern tribes of Israel, including up to this ninth king, Jehoram, did evil in the eyes of the Lord and led the nation in their idolatrous ways. Because of their wicked and idolatrous practices, God brought judgment in the form of famines, which is what we are dealing with now in our text. Jehoram, in anger and rage, needing someone to blame for their horrible condition, can't strike out against God because he doesn't believe in the God of Israel. He, worship other, he worships other gods. But he knows the gods of Israel's prophet, so he strikes out against Elisha. Perhaps he was around or was told by his father Ahab or mother Jezebel that the prophet Elijah had informed King Ahab at one time that it would not rain until he was given word by God that it would rain. And Elijah would then say, let it rain. Perhaps he knew that story of Elijah. And he knew Elisha served the same God that Elijah served. Therefore, in uncontrolled anger, Jehoram decree, decrees that Elisha shall be beheaded by the end of this day. 
So in Jehoram's rage, he sends a messenger to Elijah, who's at his home in Dothan, just north of Samaria, about 12 miles or so. But the Lord revealed to Elijah that the king's messenger was on his way to tell him of the king's decree. So he sends a servant to the door and causes the messenger to wait at the door and then listen to be sure that the king's regiment was not following. While waiting, the king's messenger grows impatient and comes to Elijah asking him, Why should I wait any longer? Elijah prophesies to him, or prophesies to him in the name of the Lord. Let's look in 2 Kings chapter 7, read verses 1 and 2 again of 2 Kings chapter 7. This is his prophecy to this messenger. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but shall not eat thereof. We see the promise of extreme abundance deflating inflation. Tomorrow by this time, a measure of fine flour, about three bushels, will be sold for a shekel, about a few cents. And two measures of barley, about six bushels, for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Upon hearing this, the king's messenger responds with emphatic disbelief of this great news. And is therefore told by Elisha that he will see it with his own eyes, but will not have the opportunity to partake in the eating thereof. I'm sure the king's messenger couldn't wait to return to the king and relate to him Elisha's words, which he believes are lies and impossible to come about, even if the windows of heaven themselves opened and poured them out. Which brings us to our final point. The windows of heaven are about to open up and pour out abundant blessings upon the undeserving. Throughout the rest of this chapter, we see God's divine plan to show extreme mercy and grace in their desperate condition. That night, God's thunderous armies of heaven sends Israel's enemy, Syria, running scared, leaving all their bountiful provisions behind. The Syrians fled with what we might say, with just the clothes on their backs. Because they thought Jehoram had hired other kings, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians, to help destroy them. God then uses four lepers to spread the good news, the life-saving news that there's food in the, in the enemy camp. It's great news from wretched beggars. Let's look in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we, still, if we sit there still here, we will die also. Now therefore come. 
and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they arose in the twilight to go into the camp of Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, there was no man. And then let's look down to verse 8 and read through 11. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well this day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light come, or light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. These beggars... They rejoiced when they entered into what they did not know what was about to take place. They didn't know if the Assyrians would meet them, gather them up, and just kill them or what. But they knew there was no help in Samaria. See, the help had stopped coming. They were being fed with the scraps. And the porter or whoever was at the gate would throw scraps out for them from time to time. That had ceased. And they were starving to death. So they went in and they said they were going to go into the Syrian camp. And they did so. They found it empty. But they found an abundance of supplies and food sources. And they knew within their heart, if they didn't share it, that they could be judged. So they went to the king, to the porter, and to the gatekeeper and told them, what they had found and the abundant blessings that were waiting in the enemy camp with no enemy around. The windows of heaven were opened. God's blessings were poured out upon Israel. Lord's blessings are bountifully bestowed upon the undeserving, rebellious nation of Israel. And Elisha's prophecies of yesterday are fulfilled. It's unfortunate, though, that Jehoram, which means Jehovah is exalted, never lived up to his name. Christian friends, remember that it was not long, that long ago that God showed great mercy and grace to bring us alive. We who deserved, we who were dead on our trespasses and sins, he made us alive. In our natural condition, we all deserve the wrath and judgment of God because we were idolatrous, wicked sinners and rebels against the holy God. But God withheld what we deserved and poured out mercy and grace so much so that he sacrificed his one and only begotten son to be a propitiation for our transgressions. 
He went willingly and shed his innocent blood on a cruel cross to cover our sins. Because of Jesus, we who have called on his name for salvation have received bountiful blessings of eternal life, peace with God, and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is our great God and our great Jehovah. And he is our divine Savior. Those who have called upon him and trusted and placed their faith and trust in him, in him, we are forever blessed. And we never can repay what he's given to us. We didn't deserve the blessings he gave to us. But he gave them freely. But it cost him a high price. May we praise God for such wonderful love, mercy, and grace.